1: And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. Available now from iHeart, a new series presented by T-Mobile for Business, The Restless Ones. Join me, Jonathan Strickland, as I explore the coming technological revolution with the restless business leaders who stand right on the cutting edge. They know there is a better way to get things done, and they are ready curious, excited for the next technological innovation to unlock their vision of the future. In each episode, we'll learn more from the Restless Ones themselves and dive deep into how the 5G revolution could enable their teams to thrive. The Restless Ones is now available on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen and I'm Caroline and we've talked about the National Organization for Women so many times on Stuff Mom Never Told You pretty much any time we get into second wave feminism. There's now, which is an acronym
1: for the National Organization for Women. There's now, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not that Kristen's syntax just completely broke down. There's now. <laughs> what does that even mean? Yeah. And we, we obviously talked about now in our episode on Polly Murray because she was one of the main leading figures helping to found that organization.
0: But we also talked about now in our episode on the lavender menace and the schism within the National Organization for Women instigated by uh, Betty Friedan referring to lesbians within the organization as a quote unquote lavender menace that she was scared of.
1: Well, I mean, it honestly sounds just so well-scented, you know, (laughs) lavender. It's soothing. Beautiful to look out over a field of lavender. It doesn't sound menacing at all. Exactly. Which makes it worse. I know. Well, one source
0: that I was reading about it, too, um, describes her paranoia of lesbians within the organization, particularly like radical feminist lesbians in the organization, uh, as a product of McCarthy era paranoia Mm -hmm. and borrowing some of that same language. But I don't want to get you ahead of our conversation that we have today with current now president Terry O'Neill, who we were so excited to talk to because, I mean, this really is a cornerstone organization of the feminist movement.
1: Well, for sure. And Kristen, you spoke with her shortly before you and I traveled to now's 50th anniversary celebration in Washington, D.C. And I just want to go ahead and say that when I met Terry with you in person, um, but talking to her was so exciting because I feel like in our day to day life, you know, we tell people what we do. Oh, you know, we are feminists. We have a feminist podcast and everybody thinks, oh, that's very good. Good for you. But to be in a room with all of these hardcore, amazing feminist trailblazers, and then to talk to Terry. And she was clearly so passionate about everything that now has done and is doing and is planning to do in the future. And it was such a great moment. And, I mean, this woman was pumping her fist. I was so excited (laughs) to talk to her. And in addition to
0: her just having a warm personality, she is a wealth of knowledge and experience because... Terry sits at this really interesting moment in Now's history, you know, as the president going into its 50th year, Mm -hmm. which is huge. But also when she got involved with the organization, it had been around for a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, she wasn't one of the founding members and her entry into Feminist activism and working with the National Organization for Women is really reflective of how quickly now developed its multi-platform agenda that she's going to talk about, because it's something that we probably don't
1: commonly know. Right. Well, exactly. And and what Kristen's referring to is Uh, Going back to that whole generational gap, the schism that happened not only at the founding of now between women like Betty Friedan, who were not so keen on having the radical lesbian feminists in their group, but also today the schism that exists between millennial feminists and second wave feminists, because we as younger feminists, stereotypically, we tend to think of now as just this upper-crest, middle-class, white women's working organization, you know, almost like the original lean-in that wasn't there as a voice for women of color, for uh, lesbian women, that they weren't inclusive at all. But that's pretty far from the truth. But then on
0: the flip side of that, you have these original members of the National Organization for Women who look at millennial feminists Mm -hmm. who are... Active in such different kinds of ways Mm -hmm. um, and are skeptical of our commitment, you know, and are, you know, question whether we take a lot of their work for granted. And understandably. And then you have on the other side of that gap some of the original second wave feminist activists looking at millennial feminists today with a little bit of skepticism or a lot of bit of skepticism because (laughs) (laughs) our forms of protest and activism in a lot of ways are radically different from what was happening in the sixties and especially the
1: seventies. Yeah. And I think it's easy to dismiss no matter who you are or how old you are. I think it's very easy to dismiss hashtag activism or online community building. Um, if you don't look deeper into what's going on, if you just brush people off as, Oh, well, they're just on their phones. Um, Because it doesn't look the same as picketing or marching. But what we're seeing, especially now in this very contentious political climate that we're in today, we are seeing more and more young people taking that online community building that they've been working at for so long, literally to the streets to protest things like police violence. Here in Atlanta, we had 10,000 people and so many young people marching for those rights. And that included Not only the rights of black people to be safe in this country, but also, I mean, women in this community as well to be able to come together and protest.
0: And parallel to that is this uncovering of women's history that a lot of millennial feminists are really interested in. I mean, just thinking about the kinds of articles that we share on social media mm-hmm. about, oh, here's the first woman who did this. Here's the first woman who did that. Here are all these trailblazers we didn't know about. Um And that also goes to filling in this, you know, not so distant history of what was actually happening on the ground when the women's liberation movement really got going in the 1970s, because I think it's really important for, us to have a better understanding of all of the intersections at that time to inform our intersectionality today, Mm -hmm. because it is very short sighted of us to sit here in 2016 and presume that now is nothing more than a relic of a bygone and more narrow minded era, because that's not the truth at all. So, I mean, that's one, one reason why I'm really excited to share this conversation with Terry O'Neill as we, Caroline and I,